tonight, um, as I mentioned this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit more about uh, the Lord's Supper. We've talked about the Lord's Supper, uh, I have at least, from from the pulpit a a couple of times since beginning here almost a year ago, uh, which is crazy, by the way. Time really flies. Um, But uh, this morning we discussed at length the command that Christ gives us to be born again. Uh, In following this command, we emulate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through which our sins are washed away, not by the water, but by God's operation uh, uh, in his, by His hands uh, in the grave of baptism. Now tonight I'd like to take some time to look at Jesus' command to take, eat, and drink, which is found in Matthew chapter 26. So if you want to turn over there, you can now. Uh, this is something He commands not to feed us physically or to satisfy hunger. This supper is, is not really a meal Per se. It is a memorial, something used to remember the atoning sacrifice that we as disciples of Christ joined Him uh, through our baptism. Turn over to Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30, where we see Jesus' command here. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forg- for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus and his disciples are observing the Passover here. Jesus' last Passover, which in itself commemorates Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Something that we talked about, it's actually something that we talked about this morning uh, a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit more about it here in a second, but this last Passover was very meaningful to Jesus. In Luke's account of this meal, he documents a very touching and passionate statement from Jesus right before he institutes the memorial. Uh, verse 14 of Luke chapter 22, he say, uh, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with, with him. They were observing the Passover feast at this time. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Can you imagine someone saying that to you at the Thanksgiving table? Especially the Savior, the, the man that you've been following for the past three or so years. We see in this that Jesus knew that his death was imminent, and he was surrounded by those whom he loved. Luke also records in verse 19 the words of Christ in which we find that this command that we're given to take, eat, and drink is to be a memorial. He said, uh, it says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Many of you have probably visited churches before in which that is written on the front of the communion table. Do this do in remembrance of me. It is a memorial. There's great importance around this memorial. Now, the Lord's Supper is not what saves us, but it is the reason that we come together on the first day of the week. This is what the first century church did. A weekly memorial remembering the death of Jesus And it's through his death that we are freed from sin through the waters of baptism. 
the importance of properly observing the Lord's Supper should not be underestimated at all. As Dave read this morning from the, from the table in 1 Corinthians 11, the church in Corinth had a problem with the Lord's Supper. They struggled with it. They were guilty, some of them, most of them, were guilty of abusing the supper. And Paul detailed the serious consequences that were waiting for those who misused the memorial. Of course, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul also details this memorial in rebuking the church in Corinth. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and let's read Paul's words to the church in Corinth. And first, to get context, the, to the context that I spoke of, we need to read verses 20 through 22. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. It's what you're supposed to eat, but it's not what they were doing. Verse 21, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to drink, eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Now, Paul here is rebuking the members of this church who believe that the Lord's Supper was both an actual meal and were taking advantage of it as such. It's as if some of the members were treating it as a picnic or a potluck. Now, let me be clear that I don't believe Paul is condemning eating in a church building completely here. He's condemning the misuse of the Lord's Supper for something that it is not. We know this because as we continue into verse 23, Paul details what the Lord's Supper is for. For I received from the Lord... Uh, What I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's the same verse we just read in Luke. In the same way, he he also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul then goes on in verses uh, 27 through 29 to bookend his teaching, if you will. He started off rebuking those in the church for not uh, not observing the Lord's Supper for what it was intended. Then he tells them how they should observe it, what the point of it is. And then he ends it with the expectations for those who do not partake of it in a worthy manner. Now, first off, I want to point out, too, in verse 23, that Paul says that he received this instruction from the Lord. And he had delivered it to the church in Corinth at least once before, likely when he was there. By partaking of the bread and the cup, we do so in memory of his body and blood, respectively. In doing this, by taking, by eating, by drinking, we commemorate the death of Jesus on the cross, which made the new covenant possible. His blood that the cup represents is the new covenant. It was poured out on the cross, was shed for the remission of sins. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper comes at the time of the Passover. It's no coincidence that his death, burial, and resurrection coincide with the Passover. For in the Passover, Jews partook of a meal to commemorate Israel's deliverance from Egypt through the blood of the Lamb on their doorpost. The Lord's Supper is quite similar 
And that is a memorial commemorating our Lord's death, the blood of the Lamb poured out in order to deliver penitent sinners from the bondage of sin. Not only is the Lord's Supper a memorial, but it's also a proclamation. Look at what Paul writes in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the, cl- drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. In partaking of this memorial, we proclaim that His death was for our sins. If that's not something that we believe, then why partake at all? The last part of verse 26 that I intentionally left off when I last read it, says that we do this until He comes. That's a second proclamation that we make as we partake of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is to proclaim our belief in the Lord's return. It's to be observed until He comes back. If we don't believe that He's coming back, then why partake of the memorial? The Lord's Supper looks both forward and backward. Backward to memorialize His loving sacrifice for us, His friends, His disciples, and forward to proclaim that because of that atoning sacrifice and our unity with Christ and our baptism, we are free from sin, that He is coming again. The Lord's Supper will be observed by His disciples who trust in His redemption and anticipate His return. So thus far we see that the Lord's Supper is a memorial and a proclamation. It is also a communion. It's often referred to as communion. It's something that we talked about in our sermon series on fellowshipping with one another. The Lord's Supper is part of our fellowship with one another, but also a fellowship with Christ and His blood. Go back one chapter in 1 Corinthians to chapter 10 and listen to Paul's teaching regarding this concept in verses 16 through 17. Paul writes, The cup of blessing that we bless... Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This shows communion with one another, as well as Christ in partaking. As we partake, we commune with the blood of Christ. As a reminder, a memorial of what the blood represents and the blessings that we enjoy through Christ's blood. As we partake of the bread, we commune with the body of Christ. And who else is referred to as the body of Christ? We are the church. Those of us who have been united with Christ in the waters of baptism are members of the body. Uh, Paul says that we who are many are one body. Remember this morning we read from Ephesians chapter 4, there is one body, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, etc. We named off seven different things. As we break bread together and partake of the cup together, we strengthen our fellowship by together memorializing the death of Christ, by proclaiming together that His death was for our sins and that He is coming again. Those of us who have died with Christ in our baptism and were buried with Him, raised to a newness of life in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you all, but as a sinner, I'm not perfect. I can probably say, 
safely that none of you are perfect. Except you, honey. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I am. Foot in mouth. Okay. But I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. We need this weekly reminder of what Christ did for us. We need this weekly communion with His blood and with His body to remind me of the sacrifice and death that was done for me. It's something that I pray that I remember every day, not just on Sundays. Now, every first day of the week when we come together to partake in this memorial, as I sit there reflecting on this memorial, I always pray that I, that I don't forget the sacrifice as I go throughout the week. That in everything that I do, that I remember the sacrifice that Jesus did for me. So that it does not slip my mind until I partake and memorialize his death again the next week. The Lord's Supper, the command to take, eat, and drink has great significance. And, we sh- and it should not be taken lightly. We should consider what the scriptures reveal about how we observe this memorial as well. The first way that we should observe the Lord's Supper is that we should do it with reverence. Which is, by the way, the worthy manner in which Paul details in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The word worthy has often led to some to misunderstand the meaning of what Paul is teaching but the word that is used literally in the Greek, Greek is worthily, which is not really easy to say. So they changed it to a worthy manner. Worthily is an adverb that is describing how we take it. Not whether or not one is worthy to partake of it. For no one, by the way, is truly worthy to partake of it. No one truly deserves Christ's sacrifice. No one deserves God's grace. Our reverence shows our respect for the ultimate love and the price that that Jesus showed and paid for our sins. It is our sin that nailed Him to that cross. It is our sin that caused Him to come here to this world to take on flesh and have that flesh beaten, tortured, and humiliated. It is our sin that forced Christ to suffer spiritual anguish as the punishment for our sin, taking on our sins as the Son of God. He was pure and holy, but He took our sins upon Himself. Now, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but let's look at what Paul wrote in the last few verses there of of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Whoever therefore, remember this is his warning, the expectations that come if you partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, He says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who drinks or for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Failure to observe with the proper reverence, the worthy manner of which Paul details brings condemnation. One will be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus, Paul says. One will eat and drink judgment to himself. I dare say that making light of this memorial puts one in the same category as those who mocked Christ as he hung on the cross. In these verses, Paul details our next point in how we should observe the Lord's Supper. In verse 28, 
we are, he says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We are to reflect on our spiritual condition. Self-examine ourselves. Are we living in a manner that shows appreciation for his sacrifice? Or are we willfully sinning? Guilty of having trampled the Son of God underfoot? Or counted the blood by which we, uh, which we were sanctified as a common thing? Or are we insulting the Spirit of grace? Now, in one sense, the Lord's Supper, this memorial, also serves as a very private manner between a Christian and God, a time to reflect on the past and seek to resolve for the future. We should also observe the Lord's Supper with fellow Christians. It's very clear from Scripture that the Lord's Supper was intended to be a part of fellowship, to be shared amongst fellow believers. From the initial establishment by Christ at Passover... Throughout the first century church and onward, it was done amongst fellow believers. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we see the church was gathered to break bread. That's why they gathered together. And, and Paul preached until midnight. So, no, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna, I'm not going to go to midnight. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells the church to wait for one another. Wait to partake. So that it could be done together. In chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, In partaking of the bread together, they build their fellowship. One bread, one body. It is a fellowship builder. Not only are we communing with Christ, we're also communing with one another. In this, and I think it's important to note, that on Sunday evenings, when there may be one or more who have to come forward to partake of the Lord's Supper, that we join with them in prayer that we join with them in reverence and self-examination of ourselves, even though we may have partaken of the Lord's Supper that morning. Because it's to build up fellowship. If we're not joining with them as they partake, then their fellowship is not built up. Then they're sitting up here by themselves, alone, partaking of the Lord's Supper with no one else. Their fellowship is not built up in that. One bread, one body. And finally... We should observe the Lord's Supper often. Now, as I pointed out with the last point, Scripture points to the weekly observance of the memorial. First Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 2, Paul is teaching about taking up a collection at the beginning of the week. He says, On the first day of every week to coincide with the gathering of the believers to worship and memorialize the death of Christ through the Lord's Supper, through the breaking of bread. Church history, by the way, there are at least two accounts that I could find from AD 95 and AD 150 that show that Christians came together on the first day of the week for the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Some believe that weekly observation diminishes the importance of the Supper. Some denominations do it monthly, quarterly, or even annually. But to those who say partaking weekly diminishes its importance, I ask this. Does assembling on a weekly basis diminish the importance of assembling? Does singing and praying every week diminish the value or the importance of singing and praying? Preaching, Bible study as well. In almost every case, however, and I giggle because it's, it's sadly humorous, but in almost every case, these faiths will forego the Lord's Supper, but they will still take up a collection. 
So apparently they find value in collecting money on a weekly basis, but not remembering the death of Christ. Our spiritual life depends on the value and the benefits of Jesus' death on the cross. Observing a memorial of this on a weekly basis helps us live appreciatively and with a focus on the cross in our daily life. For those who have died with Christ, buried with Him, and resurrected to a newness of life through baptism, the Lord's Supper is a very special memorial of His death for our sins. It's so important to remember the sacrifice that made possible our reconciliation, our path to salvation, a life devoted to serving God, etc. This memorial that we gather together every Sunday to commemorate was commanded by Christ so that we would never forget His atoning sacrifice, that we would never forget His love and His grace. The blood of a perfect lamb was poured out on a cross, sacrificed to purify all who believe and are baptized, those who follow His commands. The first Christians, the first century church, followed and continued steadfastly in its observance as they did along with the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Acts 2 verse 42. Christians today should never lose sight of the significance of the Lord's Supper. It is a constant reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus paid for our sins. It is a communion or a sharing of the body and blood of the Lord. It is a time for self-examination and rededication of our service to the Lord. It is a means for building fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. One bread, one body. If you have a need this evening to be reconciled to God through the redeeming blood of Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, or if the church can assist with any other need, please come while we stand and sing.